Welcome to the Church on the Rock podcast. It is our prayer that this message brings hope and encouragement into your life as you go about your week. Thanks for tuning in. Amen. If you have your inserts, you can pull them out today. Everybody, hopefully you got one of these when you came in this morning. Uh, We're continuing our series. It'll be uh, four weeks or five weeks long. I can't remember exactly, Um, but we'll be on our, we're on our second week today, and I'm going to be preaching more about our fast and where we're at with that and how everybody's doing that. How's everybody doing in your fast? It's either oh my or oh me, okay? Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. We're just creating some space, amen, for God to move in our life. But uh, on your inserts, on your inserts, I can't remember if Carmen said that, but if you turn them over, all the groups are on there. Did she say that? I wasn't listening. How many of you guys listen to your wives? Come on, be honest. (laughs) You do, yeah, sure. Um, if you live in the Schomburg area, right down 46, if you're in Schomburg, Bartlett area, and you don't want to drive very far, right down 46 Yardley, 46 Yardley, and that is in Schomburg, right down 46 Yardley, if you want to do a group near Schomburg, Craig and Tara will be doing that gift, and we'll have that that. Um, small group, and we'll have that one on next week. Amen. Today, I want to talk about passion. I want to talk about passion. And, you know, we saw passion right in front of us. How many saw passion when uh, uh, Rachel and Chad were talking today? I I got up here and forgot their names. When Rachel and Chad were talking today, how many saw passion? A great desire. Okay, well today I want to talk about our passion for God, our passion for life, our passion for ministry, our passion for relationships. So everything we're talking about, we're going to be talking about passion. And I'm believing in the next 21 days that God is going to deposit and put in our hearts some passion. Amen. Even when I lack in desire, I've learned to, to, to not trust in myself to do anything for myself. I'm getting where I trust God forever. Everything. Sometimes my uh, passion meter or my desire is a little bit low. Anybody ever have that besides the pastor? To where you, that zeal and that ambition and that motivation, come on, that, that sometimes that runs low. That is normal. It's very normal. I tell people when they start their walks with the Lord or people that get in the ministry, I say the number one hardest thing. The hardest thing when you get in the ministry or you start with the Lord, the hardest thing is staying spiritual. Staying spiritual, keeping that passion. It's like keeping a fire going all the time. Actually, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, we see how how when God came down in the book of Exodus and lit the uh, table and lit the offering, they had to keep that going and they had to keep that maintained. And that's kind of like our walk with the Lord and our passion. We have to be intentional in keeping that passion. So we're going to talk about developing and maintaining a passion for the Lord. And I want to ask you before we start, because we're going to end with this today, is what is your passion meter? Where is it registering today? Well, first of all, what is passion? Passion is when you put energy into something that you're required. Passion is putting energy into something that you're required to do. It's more than just enthusiasm and excitement. 
Passion's about ambition that materializes and it pushes you into action. So it is an emotion and something you feel, but it's, it, it, it puts an ambition in you and it materializes where you go into action to where you're able to do things where you can put your heart into it, your soul into it, and your strength into it. This definition extends that it's more than just emotion. It's more than enthusiasm. It's more than excitement. It's a strong desire and it's, you know, Paul even said that godly ambition is honorable. Did you know that? Godly, he told Timothy, have godly ambition. It's honorable. God can put this strong desire in us, but it leads us into action. Passion is a creative force that I believe that's behind all great art and all great drama and all great music, especially the creative things and architecture and leaders and athletes. Passion is what mobilizes armies. Passions is what causes explorers to say that we're going to discover new lands. We're going to go where man has never gone. Passion is what causes scientists, when they have failures a thousand times over, passion is what causes them to stay up late at night and say, I'm going to get a cure for this sickness. I'm going to get a cure for this disease. Passion's what kept Einstein where he said, we're going to have some light in our building. Anybody with me today? So that passion, a passion can take a good athlete. I know we got some ball players here today. A passion can take a good athlete and he can make him a great athlete. I remember I was just a fair runner in track, but what made me a, a, a better runner or a good runner, it's hard for me to say good because I don't want to sound like, I'm like, ooh, that's a good runner. But what kept me from good to great was passion. It was heart. It was running with all I had. It was giving my all. So, so passion can make a good athlete a great athlete. God created you. It is, emotion. It is an emotion. It, 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 a part of passion, it is an emotion. I believe, you know when I pray over Sunday morning service, I actually pray that there will be a tangible anointing. I, I pray that people, sometimes everybody's like, oh, you can't go on feeling. I know you can't go on feeling, but God is alive, and God is real, and, and, and that is, you can feel, taste, touch, and know that He's real in your relationship. So there is some emotion to it. Passion energizes life. Passion makes the impossible possible. Passion is the reason that gets us up in the morning. Some people, some people have get down in depression sometimes, and you need a little little help sometime with the doctor or something to even have that emotion and that desire to get up and go. God can give you a desire to get up and go today. Without passion, to me, life can get boring, mundane. just, just you, you start, you do the same old, same old, you go to get, you go to bed. Passion is a strong feeling about something. Guys, it's a strong feeling about something and it's a strong belief in something. When we think about passion, we think about uh, 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 Jesus and his passion on the cross. How many say that was something that he had strong belief in? Hey, when, when he said, I set my eyes as a flint to Calvary and I can't be looking to the right or the left, what caused him to be able to suffer the passion on the cross, the passion he had where he could suffer, where he could endure, where he could get through, it was, came from a passion. So, so passion is something that, that, that you have to have strong belief in what it is. 
If it's a passion for the Lord, if it's a passion in a business you're trying to do, whatever it is, you have to have strong belief in it, in something or someone, and that'll push you through. Passion can, that comes and presses you through when it gets hard. Passion comes and helps you when it gets disappointing. Anybody ever get disappointing? Your passion for something that you strongly believe in. I strongly believe in my marriage. I strongly believe in my kids. I strongly believe that God's telling me to go to school, young person. Passion is when you're... It, I, I remember when I was in Bible college, I worked full-time at Walmart, and I used to get home and take a cold bath just so I could stay awake to study. But passion is I wanted to finish my school... Passion is I didn't want to have debt. I, 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 so, so you young people, that, that, that passion can carry you through. Passion can carry you through that disappointment when you make a bad grade. Passion can take you through when you know God's telling you that you're going to have a relationship. Do you know, young lady, God does have a man for you to be married to. Young man, God has a woman for you. So even through times of disappointment, passion can move you through that. Passion, I believe strongly. How many of you parents believe strongly in your kids? But right now, your passion is having to kick in because what you're seeing and what seems to be materializing right in front of you tells you a different report. But passion, God fills you with passion so you can love like Christ, so you can forgive like Christ, so you can be strengthened by Christ. So that you can get through this obstacle. Passion. Passion is so needed. And I'm telling you something. Something I'm passionate about today is the Lord Jesus Christ. Something I'm passionate about today is that He can make your life better. He can make your marriage better. He can make every aspect. I'm passionate about that. I strongly believe it. And I'm committed to that. You know, passion for some is like a healing, helium balloon. To where people get blow up, that they, they, they do a lot of talk and they do a lot of uh, blow. But as helium goes in the balloon and it goes up, it starts to dissipate and it comes back down. Passion needs to be more than blow. All blow and no go. Passion needs to be something that just doesn't dissipate and, and just come out of you. Just how important is passion? Passion's pretty doggone important, I think. I want to serve the Lord enthusiastically. I want to love my wife enthusiastically. I want to not just bear with life or get through a day. I want to enjoy life. And I believe God can put that passion in us today. I believe that. I really believe that. Just how important is it? One day uh, a man walked up to Jesus and said, Lord, what's the most important thing? Jesus answered and said, here's the most important thing in the whole Bible. Snapshot. Most important thing in the whole Bible. It's in Matthew 12, 30. It says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Now, when I was a young person, I used to grab that scripture and say, and I would say, man, I love God with all my heart. And I, and I would preach to people and I'd say, you got to love God. you got to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. All your thoughts need to be in Him. All your, I used to really preach like that. All your strength needs to be with Him. Boy, it sounds good preaching, but here's the fact. 
I can't love God with all my heart. I don't love God. I, I, I don't have that action where I'm loving him with all my heart. With all my soul, that means that every one of my thoughts are on him. With all my, with, with, with my, my, my emotions are always in perfect order. That's what your soul is, your mind, your will, and emotions. And that I'm using all my strength to serve him every day. I'd be a liar if I told you that. Paul said, this one thing, he said, I, here, here's the bottom line. I've been crucified with Christ. I died with Christ. And his resurrection power pulsates my whole body. And if I'm able to love God with all my heart, I don't boast in my love for God. I boast in his love for me. If I, if I boast in anything, I boast that Jesus loves me. Jesus puts up with me. Jesus helps me. Jesus gives me desire. Jesus, I, I, quit, I quit trying to do it on myself. Performance will lead you down a, a, a dead-end road, and, and you're going to be just feeling bad all the time. All right? It's a passion killer. But when I... Here, here's what, here's what uh, Watchman Nee said. I am crucified with Christ... Nevertheless, not I that lives, but Christ in me. So the way, if I'm able to live with all my heart, soul, and mind, it's not I, but Christ. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, it's not I. It's not I. It's not I. It's not I, but it's Christ that lives in me. Even coming to church today, I said, Lord, help me to love. I said, I said help me to, the, the fruit of the Spirit to be in my life. For everybody I see today, that I won't let nervousness or, or, or being afraid to make me treat people not nice and stuff like that. Because I don't want to be one of those preachers that goes hides in the back. I want to be able to talk to people. But, you know, I get kind of nervous. And I was like, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. If I'm able to be loving, kind, gentle, patient, and all that... It's not I, but it's Christ in me. Somebody, when I'm telling you, you can overcome and you can do the impossible. I can't do anything, but through Christ I can do all things. Somebody say amen. Even Jesus said, I don't do anything in myself. I do it by the power of the Spirit. Even Jesus, the Bible says in Acts 10, 38, how Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and he went about being, doing good. Even Jesus said it was God that did it through him. And passion's pretty doggone important, I think. So, um, you know, um, something that kind of bothers me about society, it's amazing that in our culture, it's okay to be passionate about anything and everything except God. It's not politically correct to be passionate about God. I can be passionate about music and arts and movies. I can be passionate about sports and fishing and, and sports teams. I can be passionate about politics. I can be passionate about fashion and clothes. I can be passionate about restaurants and coffees and where I eat and, and, and different belief system. Uh, I can be passionate about everything, but there's one thing that's a no-no. Ooh, you can't be passionate about God. It's in our culture to be passionate about everything, except your religion or your faith, except your relationship with God. You know, people go to rock concerts. Man, I was, I've been, I've been to um, Arrowhead. How many, I'm going to age myself, how many remember Joe Montana on the Monday night comeback? Come on, how many remember Joe Montana on the Monday night comeback? 
All right, I was up in the nosebleed seats, um, just freshly saved about three or four years, and I used to like to fight, and my wife said, get a bunch of cups for the, for the kids. I, I better be careful of that. I used to like to fight, now as a pastor, and I was, I was dumping the beers out and filling up these cups, and this guy goes, drunk guy goes, hey, that's my beer. And then he got in my face and was wanting to get in a fight and said, boy, I'd love to. I was like, boy, I'd love to fight this guy. I love to fight, but you know what? I told him, I said, I'm a Christian. I don't fight anymore. Uh, uh, that has nothing to do with anything. But anyway, <laughs> I was up there going, oh. I mean, I mean, we Chiefs fans, and we was watching all that. Um, man, people, it's okay to shout your head off. It's okay to get excited about the Bears and the Cubs and the, and the Blackhawks and whoever you're into, the White Sox. <coughs> Man, I'm feeling sick all of a sudden. <coughs> we can get hoarse from yelling. Amen, Tara? We can get... Go, Cubs, go. No, we can get hoarse from yelling so loud. That we lose ourselves and we cry. I was upset for three days over last Sunday. Come on. How did Parky miss the field goal? Anybody out here say amen. I was still mourning last night saying we should be playing the Rams tonight. Oh, we get all. I, we jump up and down and dance, but oh no. Oh no. If we get loud in church, ooh. Come on, man. It's all right to show some enthusiasm, some excitement, some joy about our Father. I really believe that. You know, maintaining a passionate fire from God, it's not automatic. It's not automatic. It's a choice. I wrote that down. I asked those guys to put it on the screen. God's been just putting one-liners in my mind, and I felt like this is one. Maintaining passionate fire for God in your life it is not automatic it's a choice and it must be approached with intentionality today the next two weeks we're going to talk about six passion killers Um, pastor Josh is going to preach next week that guy's loafing on us I, I handed him the notes of what I want him to preach next week Gosh, we pay him good. Shouldn't he have to get his own sermon together? (laughs) But I I really wanted this to preach. I really wanted to hear all six of these, and I didn't want to cram them into today because I think they're important. I didn't want to cram them in today. But um, I'm going to be somewhere. Um, I'm going to be in Kauai. So don't be mad at me. So, uh, Josh is going to be hitting it next week. Is that right, Pastor Justin? Amen. How'd that make you feel seeing your kids baptized today? Woo! Woo, Yeah. Hey, Justin's mom and dad are here. Stand up so everybody knows you guys. Amen. Hey, there's six passion killers. Sorry, man, I'm random. I'm random. We'll go from the Bears to the Cubs to the White Sox to we're, I'm random. Okay, back to your notes. Everybody get your insert. Quit messing around here. All right. Now, six, ki- six killers of passion. Passion killer number one is an unbalanced schedule. 
an unbalanced schedule. So if you need to fill that in, it's an unbalanced schedule. Passion for God, listen, can be killed by being, listen to this, by being overworked or underworked. Life is filled with seasons. You need, to be, you need to have both input and output in your life. You need both rest and we need work. Anybody out there? Too much of either causes us to lose our passion. Too much, too much work causes you to lose passion. But too much nothing and too much boredom will also cause you to lose passion. Because you're not being challenged. How many remember that student? Wasn't me, promise you. This one wasn't me. How many remember the student that was bored in class? Because he was so ahead of the other students, all right? So, so some of you maybe don't have a passion today because you're underachieving and you're under... Uh, you, some, peop- it, some people are overworked and some people are under. The get, my guess in a crowd this size is half of you need less to do and half of you need more to do. I think it would be half and half. Some of you, the problem is you're always giving out. You're always helping. You're always sharing. You're always doing. You're always saying yes. Uh, One of my good friends, I I, I can't, it's not coming to me who it is right now, but I appreciate it because it needs to be me. And probably need, it may have been you, Justin. It was Justin. Justin said, my default when people come to you, so just so you know when you go to Justin with stuff, he said, my default is no. And then we'll talk about it. My default, yes, on everything. Oh, I, I want to do this and I want to do that. And, and, and my default even makes it seem like I, I lie to people sometimes because of this. Oh, I'd love to go out with, to eat with you or I'd love to do this with you. Guys, there is no way humanly possible that I can go out to eat and go to everybody's birthday party and everybody's aunt, they, with a church the size of ours. We're low, we're low in attendance today because of the snow, but when you've got over 400 people, you can't do that. But I'm like, yes on everything. Yes on everything. Yes on it. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. Car- <laughs> I told my kids yes on everything. And Carmen was always the, why you do this to me? Why do I always, <laughs> I mean, know what I'm, Chad, I need those classes. <laughs> Carmen's like, wait. Okay, but some of you're always giving out. Always giving out. You never take time to recharge. And here's what will happen. You get what I call, Joe, you know what I'm talking about here. You get what I call compassion fatigue, spiritual fatigue. You just stop caring. You don't care about God. You're kind of numb. You don't care about other people or anymore. You don't care about anything or, or, or any stuff. You're just kind of existing. Why? It's because you burn out, man. Too much service. Jesus even separated himself. Psalms 127.2 says this, It's useless for you to work so hard from morning until evening, late at night. Look at this. Anxiously working. Anybody out there? Anxiously working for food to eat. Fearing you're not going to have enough for God gives rest to the ones that he loves. Others of you here today are the exact opposite of that. You're always taking in. You're always taking in. When I was in the when I was a farm boy in the South, preaching in uh, towns that were like 24, like my first church, and they had milk cows and pigs and all that. The way I preached this point is, I'd say, you know, people, they're a bunch of spiritual fat hogs sometimes, because you got to 
you know, relate with where they're at. But people don't even know what it's like to raise fat hogs here. But fat hogs, you're always, so I won't use that example. Because um, you probably won't understand that. So I, I chose this. Um, I chose this term. Maybe that uh, people that are always taking in and always taking in, they're always taking in, they're going to this workshop, they're going to this Christian concert, they're listening to this podcast, they're listening to this sermon, they're listening to these tapes. Today, I mean, I always... And whatever they're listening to, they become it, whether it's doctrinally sound or, or not. And, and, and I'm not against that. I'm not against that. We should absorb things. We should listen to stuff. And, but some people, that's all they do. So I call those people, you know, people that's just taking it in and getting fatter and fatter and fatter till pretty soon what happens when they come to church is they just kind of roll down the aisle at church. And that's where we get the term holy rollers. Yeah. Yeah. You guys have been hearing out your whole life a holy roller. What's that mean? That, that's people that get, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, still, I think one of them, I still think you all fit one or two of them. I know I do. You all love me. I love you. <laughs> Praise God. Passion killer number two, unused talent, unused talent, unused talent. An unused talent will cause you to lose passion for your life. Two scriptures there, 1 Peter 4.10, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them to serve yourself well. Is that what it says? You should go, uh uh-uh, use them. To serve one another. Look at Romans 12, 6. It says, in his grace, remember, it's grace gifts. Anything we do, it's by grace. I'm, I, I work, so failure. Anything I do, it's by his grace. We've been given grace gifts. God has given us different things so we can do things well. So God has given you the, then the, here's the example. God has given you prophecy. Then speak out with the measure of faith that he's given you to do that. In other words, if, if you've been given the gift to prophesy, then that's a grace gift. Take that grace gift, say, thank you, Lord, I'll, I'll use this grace gift for you. And then realize, listen, realize faith activates the gifts. So, so you believe you have that gift, and so you step out and you do that gift, whether you feel it or not. Faith activates that prophetic gift, and you bless people. Okay, that was just, that's how gifts work. Okay, but that was just an example. And then he said, if it's serving, serve well. If it's teaching, then teach well. If you go on and read in Romans 12. So you take that grace gift. See, because that's a passion killer when you're, not, when you're not using your talent. You take that grace gift. If it's giving, give generously. If it's leading, take it seriously and lead. If it's kindness, then show kindness well. You can read that in Romans chapter 12. I think it's powerful. So God gave us all a unique shape. Everybody say shape. Shape is spiritual abilities. S, H is heart. A is abilities. P is personality style. And E is experience. Everybody's given us a, God has given us all a spiritual, a a spiritual shape. Imagine if your spiritual shape was a ball player. Imagine if, 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 uh, imagine being dressed in a uniform, given the best glove. 
Great cleats, a beautiful swing. Man, you could bat from both sides of the plate. You could hit. You had incredible speed like Lou Brock. You could really run. You were a natural ass athlete. And then you spend your time in sitting in the stands instead of playing the game. How many say that would be a waste? It would be a waste. Brothers and sisters, there is so much. There is so much in people. Uh, the reason some of you don't have passion today is you're not using what God called you to do. You're on the sidelines. And, and, and I'll tell you, um, the, 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 the desired result of discovering your ministry, and I want everybody to look at, look at this. We have something at Church on the Rock called Growth Track. I, I recommend everybody to go through this, even if you haven't. Justin's going to start teaching it January the 30th, and that's a Wednesday night, and I think it's at 6 o'clock on a Wednesday night, 7 o'clock on a Wednesday night, but you can go through this book. It's only four classes. You can go through this book, and when you're done, you'll be able to say this. I, Brian Garfield, am sent to planet Earth on a mission for God, and my life mission is to do this. When you get through this book, you'll be able to say that. Because some of you are like, man, if I have unused talent, I don't even know what it is. And here's the other thing, is your gifts and your shape changes. How many say your, your, your shape's a little different? I got to know this. How many of you women can still get in? Well, should I? Yeah. How many of you women can still get in your wedding dress? If you can, I'm, can you? I'm like, Wow. How many of you men have went up at least three sizes in your pants size? Come on. All right. I, I believe our spiritual shape changes sometimes. Are you all with me? So uh, I, I think it'd be good to go through that. Hey, I want to say this. Jesus, John 4, 31 through 34, talks about when Jesus met this woman at the well. This, this girl was kind of messed up. She'd been married five times, probably into, um, probably into substances, substance abuse, and probably into mental, physical, maybe sexual abuse. I mean, she, she had a bad life. She'd been married five times, so she probably was looking for love through sex because she maybe didn't feel loved in life. And so she'd give her body away because that's the only way she knew to feel love, but something like that. But Jesus met this woman, and he said, the water that you're drinking, you're going to thirst again, but if you drink of my water, the living water, you'll never thirst again. And then he, he, they had an honest talk, and, and, and she said, uh, she, she let him know that she, that she was uh, in a relationship, and Jesus was like, no, you've been married five times. He used prophecy. But he wasn't condemning her or nothing. But anyway, she gave her heart to the Lord. She went to the city. She came back with the whole city of people saying, you got to come meet this Jesus. He changed my life. Okay, how many say that's what happened to us? When this woman came out from the city, Jesus hadn't eaten for days. He hadn't drank and he hadn't eaten for days. In fact, the disciples had went to town to get him something to eat and drink. But Jesus, when that woman was coming, he said this. He said, my meat or my satisfaction or my passion and zeal for life is by, is by using my gifts and fulfilling the mission that God has called me to do. Because they kept saying, Jesus, drink something, eat something. 
He's like, no, my meat is to do the will of the Lord. And when he said that, the woman was coming with the city, and he said, there's my fulfillment. Spiritual growth and increased fulfillment comes through using your gifts for the Lord. Now listen, I read a survey the other day that said 70% of people are in jobs that they're not even using their talents. And that may be some of you older guys. Some of you older guys may have had a, a passion or a dream when you were younger, but um, even talking to Luke yesterday, my son, um, he's able to have a job that's high-paying. But he was talking to his mother and I yesterday and saying, you know, I could have this job that was high-paying, but I don't want to get stuck in a job what I'm not called to do and I'm not using my talents. I would rather have less money and be doing what I'm passionate about. And then he told us what that was. So, and, and I'm not condemning people. To me, to me, a job's a job. Uh, you may think I got the greatest job in the, Lord, in the world being a pastor. You know, I like it and stuff like that. But um, I, I do like it, but it's still work. Who, who likes to work? Like, really? Who really it just, oh, boy, I get to work. I mean, I'm, I want to be retired. Terry, where are you going? I, I want, geez, Terry, you're offending me. Geez, couldn't you wait till after the service? My God, I love him. Sit in the back next week. No, just kidding. Uh, but um, so, <laughs> um, so, but um, boy, I lost the anointing. No. But um, you, you know, hey, it, it, seriously, I, I think this is for everybody, but especially if you're like 30. Like if we put a golf, if we put a tennis ball and some red paint and we threw it at the wall at 30-year-olds, I know it's going to splatter to 16 to 45-year-olds, but if you're like 30 or 20-something, listen to me. When it comes to work, you, you may have to start out in things you don't really like. And it's just sustenance. It's just a job. And I believe some of the older ones are, your, your job's just never going to fulfill you. Seriously. When you think about fulfillment, you think, well, a wife will do it. It, it, it helps. I love being married. Well, kids will do it. That helps too. I mean, I love kids. I love my kids. Well, maybe, I mean, my dream, well, actually, it wasn't my dream. My dream was to be a veterinarian of large animals. Um, that was my dream, but like I say, preaching's not bad. But the, <laughs> the, uh, but the, um, so, but I, 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 look at, I look at some of that, but guys, here's what I think. Here's what I think. If you're looking for passion and some zest and some zeal for life, consider, consider doing something with your gifts for God. Seriously, I don't believe your job in relationship that to me it's job plus your life mission to God. If you're an architect, if you're an engineer, if, if, you, if you pick up trash, which is a great job, great benefits. Uh, if you work in a, in a fast food restaurant, whatever it is, to me we are all called to be preachers. Preachers means to proclaim the good news. To me, we need to, to have some preaching 
engineers and some preaching doctors and some preaching teachers and some preaching trash givers. I, I think that's when you're going to start getting some fulfillment in life. So that's my second one. And here's the third one. I'll do this one real quick. I'm already three minutes over. Six killers of our passion is unconfessed or unresolved sin. Braden, if you want to come. This is a big one. To me, few rob our joy, rob our confidence, rob our passion more quickly, listen, than unresolved sin. And I'm just going to cut to the chase on this one. I got a lot of stuff written on that. I want to cut to the chase and hit what's really hitting me. Everybody listen real close to this one. There's not very many times that I'll say, I really think God told me this. But I really think God told me this on the way to church today. When it comes to unresolved sin or unconfessed sin, that is a passion killer. Now listen. Here's what I felt like God say. Everybody listen on this. Look at me right here. Listen to this. Here's what I felt God to say. Your sin, your sin, your failure, your shortcoming, whatever you want to call it, it has been resolved with God. Because the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, when you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you of all your unrighteousness. He's faithful to do that. But here's what I heard the Lord say. Unresolved or unresolved sin has been resolved with me. I felt the Lord say it. But it's not been resolved with you. I felt that. I felt that. I felt like there's some people that you are carrying some guilt. To me, there are three roots that you have to pull out of your life because they're passion killers. The first one is fear. When you have unresolved sin in your life, it causes a fear. It causes an awkwardness before God. Listen, and we saw that with Adam and Eve when they sinned. The first thing that happened is they were, what's the Bible say? They were afraid. They were afraid. They said, Lord, when you came at the end of the day, Adam, where are you? I want to talk with you. I want to have some relationship. Why, why, why are you hiding? Hiding? He was hiding because he was ashamed, right? He was ashamed and he had guilt. That's another root. Is shame and guilt is a root. And another one is being afraid. Lord, we were afraid. Those are passion killers. And then the third thing, and to me this is the deepest root, the root of all roots, is when you are afraid and you are ashamed and you have guilt, the very deepest root is condemnation. Condemnation. When you, when you have unresolved sin, I, again, I felt the Lord say, your sin has been resolved with me at the cross. Jesus said in, in Hebrews twice, he said, your sins and your iniquities and your shortcomings, I will remember them no more. Even, even now in my, in my life, in my faith walk with God, I fail continually. I fail continually. And, and there'll be this fear and there'll be this shame and this guilt that comes on me. But I just have to keep going back and say, that's why I do the Lord's Prayer every day where it says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Give us this day our daily. Forgive us. 
our debts, our trespasses. I live under the waterfall of forgiveness. Listen to me. Your sin has been resolved the minute you say I'm sorry to God. Actually, it's resolved before you say I'm sorry. It's done. It's done. But listen, there's this pesky voice, and it's called the conscience of man, that continually reminds you of your past and your failures and your shortcomings. And guys, I want to tell you something. Paul, the writer, the writer of the new of the new two thirds of the New Testament, he said this. Philippians three. I want you to see this. Philippians three. Philippians three, verse twelve. He said this. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved. In other words, he's saying, "Hey, I'm not perfect," or that I've already reached perfection. Paul said, I'm not even going to stand here and tell you I'm perfect. I'm not. But he said, I press on to to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus possessed me. No, brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. But I focus on one thing. I focus on one thing. Man, God showed this to me. Guys, do you realize Paul was eaten up? I believe God showed me this. He was eaten up with guilt and shame of his past. Everybody has a skeleton in their past. You know what his was? He persecuted Christians. I believe Paul went to bed at night seeing, just like Hitler, separating the parents from their kids. I believe Paul went to bed at night guilt-driven that he separated parents from their children. Imagine this. Paul gave the okay. Whether he did it or not, Paul gave, we don't, I'm not sure. He gave the okay to say stone Peter or stone Stephen for preaching about Jesus Christ. And they stoned Stephen and Paul was there when Stephen looked up as stones were hitting his body, and he looked up and he said, Behold, I see God the Father, and I see Jesus standing at... It says in Stephen being filled with the Holy Spirit, Trinity, I see God, and I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, and then he died. And they took his cloak, and they laid it at Paul's feet, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. That guy had an unresolved that affected his passion for God because he was driven with the guilt of that. The Lord showed me that. He showed that to me because we do that as people. Marriages. You guys said you had a rough marriage, Chad and Rachel. Does that, do you ever get, did you ever in going through getting whole, Chad and Rachel and stuff you've been through, did you ever go through times where you just, riveted with guilt did you and shame and 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 you know what you do when you do that you sabotage your own future how many of you how many of you have 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 stuff to where you're like i don't deserve good things to happen and you just beat yourself up you beat yourself up you know what i tell you quit beating yourself up because jesus got beat up for you 
He got beat up. Here's the word of the Lord. Everybody look at these lips. Look at these lips. Here's God's word to you today. Your sin is resolved with me. The issue is it's not resolved with you. But listen, in Hebrews, God said he'll even purge your conscience of evil. He'll even purge your conscience of dead works. And dead works is when you keep trying to earn when you've done something wrong, you think you've got to pay for it. That's what dead works are. You'll start piling on good works to try to feel better about the person that you are because your identity is so corrupt. Your identity today is this. I want every head bowed and I want you to say this. If you feel guilt-driven or you feel so sick about decisions and you this void. Here's what I want you to say. Here is your identity in Christ. I want you to say, I am forgiven. I am holy. I am beautiful. I am clean. I am free. I'm loved by God. I'm not rejected. He doesn't reject me. He loves me. There's no fear with God today there's no shame there's no guilt with Jesus today because he forgives me now right now I want every single person that you feel that that you feel like you've had some unresolved sin I want you to say this say and and keep saying it keep saying it if you need to say it for days say it for days I want you to keep doing that but if you need to keep saying I want you to say it for days Say, my sin has been resolved with Christ. And I am free. And then I want you to say this. Purge me. Purge me from these thoughts and these emotions. In Jesus' name. Guys, I want to share one more thing with you. And then they're going to sing a song. But I feel the Holy Spirit saying, share that. Don't, don't try to get free on your own. You can't do it with willpower and determination. You have to do it with the Spirit. Now listen, you guys that need this deliverance, the Lord told me on the way to church He's going to deliver people and set them free. All right? When I'm a person that has a bunch of mental thoughts hit my mind. And I've been to counseling and they say, you're supposed to reframe those things. Like it, when something, your mind's telling you something, you reframe it to something good. I, I did that one. I, I did that one. I've tried, and you should try to do that. You reframe it with the Word of God, okay? But even that, to, listen guys, when you're assaulted in your mind, here's how I describe it. Your mind is like thousands and billions of thoughts sometimes negative thoughts can come in my mind so fast everybody says take control of your thoughts you try to take control a thousand at a time you can't you oh i rest you i stopped oh i stopped that you you can't there sometimes it's a machine gun you can't stop them and but here and, and, and and i know and i know when you have a bad thought you're supposed to renew it with the word and I do that and, and but your mind is like a jungle and you take a machete and you 
make a path through there. And the first time you make a path, it clears a little bit. And, and then the next time you clear it a little more. And the next time that negative thought, you clear it a little more because your mind is made that it takes the path of least resistance, good or bad. And so I'm like trying to create a good path instead of this negative path I always, my mind defaults to. I'm trying to get a new one. And in the new one, it's, I'm, I'm creating that path with my machete. Here's what I quit doing. I don't even do that anymore. I, stu- I do this. I say, Lord, create a new pathway of thinking for me. And I'm done. D- don't even make that a work. Here's the fact. You do have to create a new, a new pathway of thinking. That's why it talks about renewing your mind with the Word. But don't even do that in your own skill sets. Anybody with me, say amen. I'm helping you today. You people that are getting set free, when the thoughts come back, Say this. Write it down on your paper if you need to. When the thoughts come back and telling you what you aren't, say what you are, but then say, just say this. Say, Lord, I'm having that negative thought again. Will you create a new pathway and that my mind will choose that new pathway? Father, if you need that, Father, in Jesus' name, say, Lord, help me with that in Jesus' name. For more information and to stay up to date with what's happening in the life of Church on the Rock, please visit us on the web at cotrag.org. Thanks again for tuning in.